Welcome back to Basically Anxious, your favorite Zillennial podcast. Hello, you guys. Happy May. Um, May is a very special month. Um, it's actually Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So today we wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, obviously, that's something important to us. So we are going to dedicate today's episode to AAPI Heritage Month. And we really just want to highlight the Asian community. Um, we're going to share some of our favorite creators and brands, and then also just touch on some of the ways you can get involved and educate yourself. And then we'll end the episode with a discussion just around a few topics that I feel like are relevant to us and things that we like to talk about. So we'll leave that to the end. But before we get into the actual content of this episode, we will start with our weekly recaps. Do you have anything to share? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't have anything to share. You know, life's life and I'm living it. <laughs> yeah. All. Honestly, I feel like that nicely summarizes my weekly recap as well, because I really don't have a lot to say other than I just feel like I'm taking things day by day. I've been really enjoying my YouTube again, which I kind of like took a little break from. um, And I've just been making vlogs, which are like fun and just like more relaxing for me. So I love that's all I have to share. (laughs) Sometimes I can't watch your vlogs because they literally make me sad. Oh, because it just like, which is funny because my mom, she'll say she'll, she'll listen to my pod. She'll listen to our podcast. If she's like, misses uh-huh. me. and whenever I'm feeling like moments of like, when I like really miss you, I like cannot watch your uh-huh. vlogs because <laughs> that I'm like, do I drop everything and move back to Seattle? <laughs> um, it also makes me like nostalgic for my Seattle life as well. And, and everything, mm-hmm. but I love it. I loved your last vlog. That was Thank so you. fun. And I'm so glad you're enjoying it again. That's such a great feeling. Yes. It's nice to like have something to kind of like, just like lean into. So that's where we're at, but I guess we'll just get started with today's episode. And the first kind of category we want to talk about, um, we've created a list or compiled a list of our favorite, um, just creators and brands who are Asian. And we really just want to like share and hype up. Um, we'll start with our favorite creators. I guess we can kind of just go through this list. Yeah. Um, the first creator I want to mention is Sasha May, and we'll have like a list of everyone so you guys can go like reference them yourselves. Um, but Sasha May, she's like a larger creator on Instagram, but she just takes like the most beautiful like editorial fashion shots, but like in a very relatable way. And I feel like if you go look at her page, you'll see what I mean. Like it is very like niche and like curated, but is so pretty and like still feel like you can attain it, I guess. Um, The second one is Marina Torres. She's actually a friend of mine. I've never met her in real life, but we like text each other all the time and like go to each other for advice on Instagram. But I just love her style and she's very, very sweet. Um, She's definitely like a fashion focus. Mm. Um, I recently discovered Katie Kung and I think she's been around for a long time because she has a pretty big following. Um, And I found her through TikTok, but I just love everything about her style and her content. I think she's from Montreal, um, but this year she's actually living in Seoul for a year. So she's like 
cranking out the soul content and it's super fun to see. Um, and I just love her style. Um, and then project Catherine, she is a really cool gal. I like talk to her sometimes on Instagram, but she, her focus is like sustainability and Mm. slow fashion. And she really like holds true to that, which I commend her for because I feel like there are so many creators that, you know, like, obviously that's an emphasis and a focus, but when it comes down to it, I feel like the execution isn't really always there, but she does it so well. Her style is so effortless. And she really like, I love, she posts these like graphics just with tips on like how to actually hold yourself accountable, like ways to know if a brand is actually like true to what they say, as far as their sustainability efforts. And it's very educational. So love that. The next two creators are actually their friends and I've met both of them together and they're both so sweet. Wait, Um, what? You've met Angela Park? Yeah, I met her um, for the first time at the Ilya Beauty (gasps) event. That makes sense. Wait, is she based in Seattle? Yeah. Shut up. Wait, what? I'm freaking out. Um, I'm upset. We'll get to her. Yeah, continue. She she and Andrea are friends. So with Love Anon and then Angela Park, um, they're just both the sweetest gals. Um, I've met them through Instagram and they're so sweet. Andrea has like the nicest and like most wholesome, like lifestyle content. And you can't just like, you can't not look at her page and be like, oh my gosh, this is just so sweet and so fun. And then Angela, I guess you probably know her from TikTok, but I Mm -hmm. literally love all of her makeup content. I've bought so many things because of her. Literally same. Makeup always just looks like flawless and I'm obsessed. So I yeah. love Angela Park. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with her. Um, so. I was going to say, I think like, I might be wrong, but I feel like she really popped off in the last six months. Like mm-hmm. she's got, she, it's cool to see someone in that stage because they're just like, everything is like so special and cool. And she got to go to this, like some really cool event or partnership or something that she was doing. And it made yeah. me just like literally emotional for her because mm-hmm. I was like, you literally just got famous from like loving lip products at Sephora. And that is my number one thing, favorite thing in life. And so I was like, I, I, yeah, she's great content. I have purchased way too many things because of her. So I feel you. Yeah. I just love her content. Cause like, you can tell she's so genuine and she cares so much. And like, she just is so hardworking and like deserves all of the success. She pumps it out. Like she's like constantly got new stuff up. Yes. Um, Next is Geneva Boyette. She's another girl I've met on Instagram and her main focus is like photography. She, I think is actually a wedding photographer, but like her own Instagram has really popped off as well. Like, and she's just so creative and she has like the cutest cats and she just like documents her life so nicely and so beautifully. And she's also just like, so, so sweet. So Mm. love her. And then, um, I don't know. Do you know who Michelle Choi is? She's like really big on YouTube, but I think I discovered her maybe like a few months ago and I'm like obsessed. Her vlogs are just so calming and so fun to watch. (gasps) She's in New York. So you should watch her because she has a lot of New York content, Um, but she has like her own clothing brand. It's called Little Puffy and she's just so cool. And I I aspire to be like her. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I love like the branding, even just on her vlogs. Um, I mean, just like seeing like shots of her apartment and it looks absolutely yeah. stunning. Um, I, I have not heard of her before, but she reminds me of someone that I'm, I want to pull up as you're talking, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Love, love that. 
Song of Style or Ami Song. I've like followed her. Like, I feel like ever since I joined Instagram, she's an OG. Um, obviously now she has her clothing brand Song of Style, but she is just like the chicest, coolest, rich mom energy ever. I love her. Um, and then the last one I feel like I have to mention is Jen M. Um, when I started, first started watching YouTube, she was like who I watched when she used to be close encounters with her friend, Sarah. And she just like makes the coolest fashion content. She's kind of shifted. I would say in the past few years, she got married. She's a mom now. And, um, it's a lot more like lifestyle oriented, I would say, but again, her style is amazing. And she just seems so, so wholesome and so nice. And I really enjoy watching her. Um, so the creator that, that, that Michelle Choi reminds me of is, um, Sophia Chang. I feel like I've heard that name. She has like, I mean, they have like almost identical branding and it works. It's so cute. This is funny. The reason I found out about her is she had to get her gallbladder removed. Um, and I had to get my gallbladder removed. And I was really, you know, I was stressed out about it. And one of my friends told me about her and said, look, check out this creator. She documented her whole process. Uh-huh. So I found out about her because she documented her whole process and I got a better idea of what the experience was. Um, yeah. And she did quite a few videos on it. She did like life after surgery, like the whole experience of getting it removed and everything. And I loved it. And I just have followed her ever since because she's mm-hmm. just like, I, yeah. yeah, very calming, like just a good energy like that you can feel yeah. in the video talk about relatable content yeah like so <laughs> niche like just so yeah. so specific she's got quite the views on it Two hundred sixty thousand. sorry two wow. 267 000 views wow three years ago yeah wow love yeah stuff. okay so I don't really go on Instagram so I don't have any like mm-hmm. Instagram every I mean, anyone I mention I have not found them through Instagram they may be big on Instagram I would have no idea mm-hmm. um also I don't know anyone's names I just know like their handles yes <laughs> so yeah. so okay so Wu Jung Yi um and she's just like a New York City skincare lifestyle girly um mm-hmm. I particularly like fell in love with her content just because she's she did um like like um skincare empties but she goes mm-hmm. through them so fast which I really like because I like making snap decisions and then doing my own mm-hmm. research on them yeah which uh-huh. is like so dumb but yeah she's just yeah cute. I, I, I think know. she's so cute I like her style too I feel like it's not like classic like I don't know I, I feel like it's not super basic but she's I, like so cute it is very like elevated personal mm-hmm. classic style like I don't know how to explain yeah. it but like you're spot on like yeah, she's got a very like chic style, but it seems very personal to her. Bond in Avant. Yeah, Bond in Avant. Um, that can't be her name. No, I don't actually so. know. <laughs> like, that's her username on TikTok. She just oozes rich, bougie mom vibes with the best hair you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh-huh. I watch, I specifically watch her videos because I like her hair. Um, yeah. And she like went through like the whole process of like, like healing her hair. Essentially, she's quite big. She has 1.3 million followers on TikTok. Okay, you've yeah. probably seen her. And yeah, that's kind of her. Yeah, it says skin and hair obsessed, and she is, and she is a very reliable source. Mm-hmm. Um, Jasmine, when when mm-hmm. I know you follow her as well. She used mm-hmm. to be on The Bachelor, and of course was the you know, per se token Asian person on the show. 
Um, mm-hmm. and I forget whose season she was on, but like, she may be one of the most stunning women I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I immediately followed her after. And now she's like kind of posting on TikTok and stuff. She's kind of like going through it right now. Her like, um, yeah. uh, engagement ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, she's living life. She's- this woman snack queen. Have you heard of her? No. Oh my God. It might be like top five favorite creators on um tiktok and now that i'm thinking about it i don't actually know her real name i feel like it's jen jen okay jen curly so it says yeah jen snack queen spelled s-n-a-c-k-q-w-e-e-n i am obsessed with her i have been following her for probably over a year um her whole vibe okay so she's a mom I think Mm -hmm. she's in her like mid thirties. She married her high school or college, their high school or college sweetheart. They had like a very wild, like story of how they reconnected and like got married and everything. She lives in orange County. She's literally like, could be like a part of like, um, the real house of real housewives of orange County. She's just like talks like, sorry, I'm going to go on like a rant about her for a while, but she like (laughs) talks about her, um, her OC lifestyle and like being like a cool mom who's like involved in all like the like OC mom stuff, but also is like the most relatable bitch in the world. Like I'm just like obsessed with her. She talks very, she's very candid and vulnerable about her eating disorders and like having issues with her relationship with working out and stuff. Um, she's a fitness instructor. I think it's Pilates. I could be wrong. Um, so she's kind of like a stay at home mom who does like a side gig, but also is like doing all this content creation for fun. Um, she has like such an active social life. So like she has all her like girls and they mm-hmm. like go to Vegas together. Wow. Like, she's like a full mom and they just like go get hammered together and then like return. She has the cutest little boy. Um, but her main content is food. So she makes wow. a lot of food and it ranges across the spectrum. Like it ranges from different variations of Asian food to um, like, she blew up recently for making some type of like sandwich. I forget what it's called. I think it's called like a grinder sandwich. Mm-hmm. It looks like immaculate. Um, to being like, here's me hungover on a Sunday morning eating McDonald's on my couch mm-hmm. while my husband and kid are still asleep. Like, yeah, it's just, and it's not in like an overly, I'm so relatable kind of way. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like her. Mm-hmm. I know I'm like obsessed with her. Like, I want to be her like, yeah. when I'm older. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so this girl caked by baby K Karen, she is actually a friend of a friend. So I have met her and I would consider myself friends with her, but she, how I know her is through a college friend of mine who grew up with her. She's pretty big on Mm -hmm. social media. Um, she'll pop up on my for you page quite often. She's just like a makeup guru. She just does her thing. Um, she lives in LA. She's so cute and fun. She will do very extravagant looks or she'll do very natural looks. Um, and I think it's really important to her to represent um, the AAPI community. Um, so I just wanted to give her a shout out because she makes wonderful content. And she's been at this mm-hmm. probably as long as you, like, mm-hmm. honestly, like some time, like she's like really yeah. been at it. And she's very similar to you is like felt the fluck, the like the fluctuations and like being very passionate about it and then like taking a step back and everything. So mm-hmm. her name's Cece. I don't know how to say the last three C? letters. Z? Mm-hmm. Z-Z? Um, have you heard of her? No, I haven't. Okay, so she um, she's recently, like, really popping up on my For You page. 
she left her legal career in big law um, <laughs> to become a writer, which is like wild. Um, and a lot wow. of her content, a lot of her content for why she was famous was through was about her being in big law and being, you know, having a legal career. Um, and she, I will say, I think the reason I really enjoy her specifically, she posts a lot of really good life advice. Um, and I think for me right now, like being able to see someone go through such a big transition in their life is like very helpful. And I don't know how to explain it, but she basically just posted this video that was like, you know, breaking down like our entirety of our lives into phases. And it, it was, it's one of those moments where it was like, some people will receive this well and some people won't because it can feel like you're literally optimizing your own personal life. Mm -hmm. Um, but it felt very, like it made sense to me. And she was basically just explaining that like, you know, psychologists once upon a time thought we had three phases of life. Now Mm -hmm. we have six. So we have childhood, adolescence, uh, odyssey, something like the odyssey where it's basically the transition period from 20 to 30, like Mm -hmm. that decade. Um, and then it was like something career and then retirement. Um, and it was basically explaining that most people in their life will have three different types of careers. And I just, it was really helpful to like hear that perspective of someone who's going from a law background Mm -hmm. to a creative, um, pursue and be able to like break down life in a way that feels a little bit more digestible. And I don't know. I just think she is really passionate about the stuff she talks about. And I really like what she has to say. Um, and this is just like a silly last fun plug. You've probably seen them. The hungry fam. No. Oh my God. There's no way you haven't. Their whole gig is they just eat food as a family and they're Mm. so fucking cute. Their kids are maybe the cutest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't like kids. Um, (laughs) Also, the food that they eat, I think they get like some pretty insane sponsorships, but the food mm-hmm. that they eat, I mean, I they must be eating the, some of the best food in the entire world. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even understand. They must get be getting paid to like fly and experience mm-hmm. all these things, but they're just a cute family who eats food okay. and posts it and they're just, yeah. Gonna go follow for sure. Um, I have two more that I thought about while we, while you were talking. And the last two, um, I'm sure you've all seen her on TikTok, but Sully Jessica, she makes the bento box meals for her kids. The one that's like, yeah. let's make lunch for my kids. Um, and I just, I love those videos love so the much. Bento box. Um, and then the last um, creator I guess we'll mention is Gray and, and oh Gray my Mama. God. They're so cute. And I think they just came out with a book too, which I think is so cute. Um, But I just love them. And the content is so great. And I'm pretty sure they live in Seattle or like somewhere near Seattle. Oh my God. Um, But absolutely love. So that is our our long list of creators. And again, we'll have a list for you guys so you can reference them all. But so um, now we will talk about just a few brands that um, I think are deserving and are worth talking about. Um, there are a few that we actually like know of and like have purchased from ourselves. And then um, there's a few I want to mention too, that I really want to try. So the first one I want to mention is Chunks Hair Clips and they are like very trending right now. They're the ones who make the like checkered hair clips, the one that's kind of like the oval shape. Oh. Um, and like now there's a ton of dupes of them out there and everything, but you should buy from chunks. Um, I have their, that specific clip and it's really great. It's great quality. And it's just like such a fun brand. And they have like the coolest little, um, 
like fun, like unique clips, I guess. Um, the other brand is fur, which I actually didn't know was Asian owned. Um, but I looked it up before this and they're the ones who make that ingrown hair oil, which I think yeah. you told me about. Or um, I asked you about it. Oh, I think yeah. I asked you, have, had you tried it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just remember us having a conversation about it, but because it's on, it's all over social media. So I was like, yeah. is this stuff actually good? <laughs> no, but it is. Um, they make like little ingrown hair oil. They also have like body wash and body exfoliator. Um, and it's all really good. And it's just like such a fun brand. Um, Peach and Lily, I mentioned in last month's favorites, but they, I think it's Korean owned um, and they have their own line, Peach and Lily. And then they have another line, Peach Slices. And then they also like have other brands featured on the website as well. So kind of just like your one-stop shop for great skincare. Um, And then last is this brand called the Asian American Girl Club. And I follow them on Instagram. I really want to get one of their sweaters. It just says like Asian American Girl Club, but it's super cute. It's super fun and um, just seems very like sweet. So I want to check that out. And then there are four brands that I've been really, really wanting to try. The first is Tower 28, which I know is just like huge right now on social media. Like they're like the definition of like, Instagram brand. Have you tried anything from them? No, but my God, everyone raves about their lip gloss and yes. the, the like blush, the blush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to try the blush so, so bad. So they understand, they understand branding. I will yeah. say like their branding is just chef's kiss. Like it's so good. Um, and then this brand, then I met you and I think I'm kind of make connecting the dots now, but there's this woman on TikTok. I think she's the founder of that. I met you, but she's kind of like blowing up right now. And I can't remember her name. Um, oh, hello. I'm Sharon is her username. Um, Mm. but her videos are actually really funny. She lives in LA and she makes just kind of like a ton of content, but I think the reason a lot of people have discovered her brand is actually through TikTok, but there's specifically a cleansing bomb from that. I met you that I want to try that apparently is so worth it. And I think, um, the creator you were talking about earlier, uh, Wu Jung Yi, she like had that in her quick, like, um, like smash or pass skincare. So I want to try that. I've heard of this brand called super egg as well. And it's like, so aesthetic. I mostly just want to try it for how aesthetic it is, but it looks really nice. Um, I'm very, I'm very cool. Um, and then the last brand I really want to invest in is kin jewelry, K I N N, but they make just like very beautiful, like classic, like timeless jewelry. I think it's like very modern and fun. Um, I think they're most known for their rings just because they're like super simple and apparently really good quality, but want to check them out. Wait, sorry. I just looked up super egg. Mm-hmm. So aesthetic. They have something yeah. called a bio mist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I need that though. You know, no, they know exactly what they're doing. I love that. Yeah, cool. Love all good stuff. Yes. So there's so many out there as well. And if we think of any ones after recording this we'll make sure to include them um in our list all right so now that we've highlighted some brands we think you should check out and just our favorite creators we're going to kind of move into the next section um and we just want to kind of have a conversation about how you can educate yourself on the community and just kind of be involved and I also want to note too like these are the things that are like meaningful to us obviously there's so many ways you can engage 
um, with the community, but this is just what we want to highlight. So um, the first way, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but is to, I think is very meaningful to this generation, but just diversifying, diversifying your social media. So just make sure you're, you know, following, you know, creators, like the ones we just mentioned, um, different kind of like news outlets, listen to like podcasts and just really like make sure you're taking in like different types of content. Um, I have a few that I feel like you should follow or that I, they're the ones that I follow, um, that kind of keep me in the loop and make me feel like I am consuming content that is relevant and just kind of up to date. Um, Next Shark is a big one. Um, Welcome to Chinatown, Asian Asian Hustle Network. And then I recently followed a girl, um, her name is Michelle Mijun Kim. She's very outspoken. She just came out with a book, um, which I actually really want to read. It's called The Wake Up. Um, But she talks a lot about just like the intersectionality between like the Asian community and other minority groups. And she's just very well-spoken and has a lot of good perspective on things. Um, And then I would say another way too, and this should not surprise you, I feel like knowing us, but I feel like reading for me has been the way that I've educated myself the most because it Mm -hmm. is the most, it's the easiest way for me to kind of digest like very big concepts that seem very Mm. overwhelming at first. And um, whether it's like historical fiction or like an autobiography, like nonfiction, anything like finding a book that kind of breaks things down for you in like a less subtle, like you need to know this kind of way. Mm. I think it's really helpful. Yeah. It's like a lived in experience explaining the themes. Yeah. Yeah, It's more immersive and you can like apply it more to yourself and just Mm -hmm. like find different ways to relate to it. So I wanted to mention a few of the books I read that specifically um, touch on Asian communities. And I think were, they were very meaningful to me. Um, The first was Peach Blossom Spring by Melissa Fu. I've truly never related to a book more in my entire life. Um, It's about a Chinese family throughout generations. You learn so much, um, dives into so many topics, and it's beautifully written. White Chrysanthemum by Mary Lynn Brock. This is about the um, comfort women of Korea during the Japanese occupation. Wow. Um, It was very sad, but again, so well written, and you just like learn so much. Um, and then honor by 30 Umregar. This was just another really great book. It definitely, I think was more heavy on the fiction, less of like the Mm. historical fiction, but again, just another really just good experience to read. Um, and then right now I'm actually reading Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And it's about, um, again, it's, it kind of reminds me of Peach Blossom Spring, honestly, but it, um, it follows a family throughout multiple generations, mm-hmm. um, but they're Korean. And again, it does relate to the Japanese occupation and um, it's really good. They also just made a Apple TV show out of it as well, which is why I oh. wanted to read it. So I wanted to read it before I watched the show. And then I do have a few that are on my list to read by Asian authors. Um, the first one is If I Had Your Face by Francis Cha. Um, I don't actually know a lot about these books. They were just mm-hmm. recommended to me, so I wanted to include them. Um, but Beautiful Country by Xian Julie Wang. And, um, and the last one is called The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan, which was recommended oh. 
me multiple times. I've heard about it. Yeah. I I don't know what it's about, but I've heard lots about it. Those are what's on my to be read. Um, just to kind of, again, continue educating myself. And then the last way I think it just is important to talk about is just to like, this might seem obvious, but I feel like it's just one of those things that should be said anyways, because sometimes the most obvious things become an oversight. Um, but just like go to events, see like, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, seeing what's going on in your local neighborhood, like the international district of wherever you live, Chinatown. Um, I think it's pretty much an ingrained part of work culture nowadays to have, um, you know, community events that do highlight different cultures. Um, so like, I don't know, just like find ways showing like up, showing up. You don't have to be the loudest voice in the room, but just like show up and make the effort to, you know, be there for these things. So, and then, I mean, also to included restaurants, cause I feel like, I don't know who doesn't love to eat well, food, especially, like go to different restaurants, try new types of food. I think especially coming out of COVID, the AAPI community was the most affected because of all of the racism yeah. tied to COVID. So I think now more than ever, it is important to support those restaurants when they're on the mend and also just expand your horizons and go try new food. I think that's, like you said, that's equally as important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we will end this episode with um, just a little bit of like a general discussion. And I would like to put a little disclaimer in here that these questions, all of them except for one, these were what were discussed in my work AAPI Slack mm. channel. Um, and I just thought they were like really great questions because I don't know, like they're things I think that aren't really often thought about. And, um, I feel like they are very relevant to us. Like you're very into politics. Obviously we love movies, music, social media. So we will just kind of get into that. Um, I guess, should I just like read the question? (laughs) Yeah. I I haven't read them yet. So go ahead and read them. So the first question is about politics and um, I'll just read the question. Um, Kamala Harris is the first Asian American vice president in the history of the United States. What impact, if any, do you think her roots have Mm. on U.S. politics? And is it important that we have more AAPI representation in U.S. politics? Wow. Love that. So that's like a big question. Yeah. But I would love to know your initial thoughts. Yeah. I mean, initial thoughts, that first statement is the most bittersweet thing in the entire world. Um, The fact that it's taken us this long (laughs) Mm -hmm. to have this type of representation is mind blowing to say the least. And it's also so incredibly powerful. So that's Mm -hmm. what I mean by it's very bittersweet to hear a statement like that. She's from California. She like her political career started in California and doing a lot of different things over there. Um, And she I mean, of course, just being a woman of color, she has received very, very intense and, and harsh criticism for purely just existing. Just seeing a woman in that position is impactful to me. So I can only imagine what it means for the other community, you know, for the Asian American community that she's representing. Um, And I mean, the goal and the hope is that her being in that chair, being in that position with that title will forever Mm -hmm. change the course uh, of our country. Do I think that will 
be an immediate thing. Unfortunately, no, I, I think it, it's going to be some time till we see some major progress and some consistent representation in, in the uh, executive branch. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that it happened at this time is mm-hmm. such a, it just, it pinpoints a time of history that like every one will remember in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's incredible. And I think it was long, long overdue. Um, and I really, really, really hope it, it changes the course that we're on. The the cynical part of me is a little concerned that it, it may be a little bit of a Barack Obama situation where we take two steps forward and then four steps back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will make up those steps. I am confident yes. in that. It just not, it may not be a very linear process is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, and I mean, yes, duh, absolutely. It's important to have that AAPI representation. I mean, it's yeah, decades and decades, mm-hmm. hundreds of years overdue. So, um, yeah. and it's incredible. And I mean, God, the amount of pressure that's on that one woman to represent, mm-hmm. I mean, she's representing like three three kind of four different communities all in one human being like that's insane Mm -hmm. so um no and I I mean I completely agree with your thoughts I think the biggest thing for me is just the the magnitude of like what it means for like representation because I think that's really like the first step in like all of these things and I think just like I mean like you said as a woman, it's huge. And then also as like an Asian American woman, it's huge. Um, and I hope that it almost like kind of like opens a door for, you know, more like uh, Asian Americans, women or not just to be able to approach politics in a more open way and like have more like an understanding of the government, because I think Mm. I can't personally speak to this, but I think there is the topic of immigration. And I know that, you know, that applies to many communities, but I think, you know, because of that, a lot of time, like the government can kind of seem like a daunting thing and like something you don't know how to digest. And yeah, that's a really good point. I think that that's very huge. Yeah. I also want to say, I love that point. That's such a, that's such a good point. Um, representation for one underrepresented minority is representation for all in in Mm -hmm. a way like it truly opens doors for everyone. She is opening doors for many other underrepresented communities as well. So, okay. Movies and music. So this question, I think we might have a lot to say about, but um, how do you think Asians and Pacific Islanders are represented in Hollywood films and TV shows? How has it changed over the years? Mm. And then also how have movies, TV and music from Asia impacted American pop culture? So like Mm. Bollywood, K-pop, anime. Wow, (laughs) this is a loaded question. Um, So to answer the first part of that question, I think we're far from where we want to be, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think we're still putting people in boxes. Um, Mm -hmm. I I honestly think that part of our society is going to take a really long time to retrain Mm -hmm. our brains, um, which is really sad. I mean, truly. Okay. So coming from my perspective as a white zillennial woman, Crazy Rich Asians for me and the life that I've lived is the first movie to have ever made it to a scale like that. It's the first like feature film that has reached that level of success 
that is beloved mm-hmm. by so many different types of people. That is not like the reality of the matter, if that makes sense. But for me, that's the first movie I can identify in my life to reach the, the level that mm-hmm. it did. And that's, again, it's very bittersweet. That's amazing. That's wonderful. That's incredible. I think that movie paved a way for a lot of a really incredible shit mm-hmm. that has already come to fruition and will um, play out in the future. But again, I, I think we're still putting people in boxes. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that we are. I think that there's a need for representation of the Asian community, the Asian American community, different countries and different lifestyles, different everything. But at the same time, that's not what they have to be. They don't always have to be a representation of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we are a little ways away from just casting people to cast people based on talent versus what they look like, essentially, Mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm saying. And not to represent something, you know, specific. And both can be present in, you know, a film, but I think we're we're not at that point yet. Yeah, I think it's interesting Um, what you say about, like it's still being like put into boxes. And I feel like it's a very interesting thing because I was thinking about how like you see the shows that, you know, have gained a lot of popularity, like on mainstream television, like Fresh Off the Boat, Kim's Convenience Store, like those shows, you would argue like they do give you that representation. But those shows are like created with all of the stereotypes Mm -hmm. in mind. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even though you're getting the representation, it's still a box. And that's still where you're like the only place that you're seeing the representation. But I do also think there's something to be said as well, because I think there's a difference between like diversity and casting and also like the difference between the type of content and media that is um, representative of like the different cultures. Does yes. that make sense? That's what I was, you say, articulated that far better than I did. Like yes. there's a difference between Chinese media and American well, media. It's also like <laughs> you can cast Asian folks for an Asian narrative or a storyline. And then you can also cast them to be princesses and superheroes. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. they don't, they can overlap. They can be separate it's just, it's the putting in the box kind of thing. Yeah. Like I think, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't always have the purpose of casting someone of in any minority doesn't always have to be with the purpose of representing some type of narrative, I guess. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I think it's interesting. I noted Bridgerton on here. Season two broke so many barriers for so many different reasons. The fact that they just had like Indian women cast in these roles in a, in a TV show that's set in a completely mm-hmm. different time where you just logically know like that's not what it is it just did it just was it just mm-hmm. existed and that's just how it was we're not going to address it it's not going to be a thing it doesn't matter that's kind of what I'm talking about like yeah that great wonderful no one's mm-hmm. really talked like you know what I mean loved it just as much as the first season yeah. um and then yeah. as far as the second question um well as far as like music just touching on mm-hmm. that specifically. It's having a moment. And I'm ho- and I think this is here to last. K-pop. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know BTS is like huge, but I mean, there's so many other K-pop bands mm-hmm. that are that are on not on the same level, but like in the headed in that trajectory. Yeah. That is that is some of the cool, the the cooler parts mm-hmm. that I, I think our, our country, our country, our society's um, well, both are is really progressing a lot faster than I think mm-hmm. other parts of our society is but I think specifically in um 
in music. We're, we're seeing mm-hmm. the enjoyment for other types of, you know, music and the language barrier of music has significantly lessened. I think people mm-hmm. don't really care if they can understand what you're saying or not, if you're singing good music, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we see that in a lot of different um, languages. And I think that's really cool to see that type of music become more mainstream and make the charts and be Mm -hmm. loved by all different types of people. I think that the overall impact that like Asian media has had on American culture is overall good. Again, I think there's something to be said about people diversifying what they are consuming and just kind of, you know, again, educating themselves, learning about it, enjoying it. I love K-pop and and K-drama and all that comes with it. But I think that right now there's kind of this there's been such an increase in consumption Mm. of that, that it's kind of become a little bit like glamorized in America. And I think that people aren't necessarily um, thinking about all that comes with, you know, when you decide to immerse yourself in a new, a new thing that's foreign to you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially like with K-pop and just like, k-pop culture in general you think about like how you know i think pretty sure south korea is like the number one place for plastic surgery in the world oh wow Um, and you think about just like the unrealistic beauty standards um that that you know creates and is like very much a thing like if you if you look this up you will see what i mean um and then also too just like the racism it's very, there's a lot to unpack there. And mm. I think that now that we're having this like huge flux of mm. popularity in America, people are kind of just like so quick to forget about like everything else that comes with it. So again, I think that just goes back to when you are consuming anything, like to to understand what it is and what's behind it and what goes into it. I think it's a little bit like social media. And that's such an interesting point that I honestly hadn't really occurred to me. Um, But now that you say it, it makes complete sense because we know nothing's perfect. And it's really, glamorize is the perfect word. It's really easy to quickly glamorize something that's fun and new and exciting. Like all of the K-dramas that are on Netflix. Like it's incredible that Netflix is like supporting all of these Mm K-dramas. And then I think where we're at now is is maybe the the like so-called like obsession that happens with like creators on TikTok when they're like, oh my God, this person could do do no wrong. They're incredible. They're amazing. And then you start to look beyond, you start to look beyond that. You start to look at the reality of the situation. And that's kind of when the door opens for a larger conversation about comparing it to a creator, but in this situation, looking beyond BTS, looking beyond, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. I think that's like kind of the perfect analogy is like the door. I feel like this is a really good way to like open the door to these things and learn about them. But then you have to leave like, you know, as you like continue to open that door and like become more immersed in it, you also have to think about, you know, like the fetishization and, you know, I don't know, potentially like culture, culturally appropriate behaviors of people. Um, And I just think there's like other layers to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or the bad with the good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, these are really great prompts. This is honestly pretty incredible that your work presented these questions to you guys. Okay. So the last 
question, I guess, prompt. This is something that I wanted to include. This was not part of my work Slack channel, but I think social media obviously is a huge thing that we talk about on here. And with the rise in influencer culture, we see a lot of brands um, capitalizing on AAPI culture and whether that's, you know, the culture in general, if it's like what it is now, Heritage Month, Lunar New Year, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera. Um, how do creators then protect themselves? And like, how do we as consumers hold brands accountable to that? And there was a specific TikTok I wanted to mention. Um, I believe the woman's name is Vi Luong. Um, so she's a huge creator. And essentially she was contacted by a brand. Um, we'll like link the TikTok somewhere so that people can look at it. But um, she was contacted by an Asian owned brand and they essentially were like, we want to send you gratis um, and then please create this content for us, which, you know, there are downsides to that in like the influencer world, but essentially they were asking for a lot for mm-hmm. essentially free work. You should have the right intention. These people did it. Mm-hmm. It was also an Asian-owned brand. Yeah. Which is the most insane part about all of this. In that situation, they're sorry, I'm cutting you off, but they're in, in that mm-hmm. situation, their intention was to make themselves look good, not actually do mm-hmm. it with the intention of supporting and amplifying Asian voices. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think just like the argument is if you truly wanted to do that, why would it even be up for debate on whether or not you should pay this? creator or any Asian creators for this one thing that you are trying to highlight. I mean, Um, also what they offered her was insulting in any regard. She's huge. Mm -hmm. And they were giving her like free product or whatever. Yeah. Like you can't, I always love when creators say this and I can't pay bills with like a lipstick. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fair. We live in a world where this is very different now and it makes complete sense. And given that it like was in the name of representation during AAPI month. It was just ludicrous, like absolutely insanity. So obviously people were very quick to call out the brand, quick to cancel the brand, quick to, you know, do what TikTok does best and just really hammer in that cancel culture. And I think that her experience is completely valid. If I was in that situation, I would be livid. I would be pissed. I would feel so offended and just so disappointed, honestly. But I also do think there's something to be said about like a difference between canceling a brand and holding them accountable. I'm hoping that for this brand, this is one of those moments where they've seen this feedback and they realize why it's wrong and they like move on and do better next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, you know, there's like, again, a lot that goes into it and not everyone knows what goes on behind the scenes. Like we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I would like to believe that in situations like these <laughs> brands are truly willing to learn and will take feedback, but I don't know. It is a newer brand. So I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt. At the same time, this is so fucking insulting. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no way you didn't know what you were doing. I don't want to overgeneralize. I will say, I think we have some ways to go. And I think we, like with every other category we've discussed, we have some ways to go. Um, But as far as canceling, agreed, not productive at all. I I I think it was smart of her to not actually say the brand and for people to find out on their own and Mm -hmm. then to have a conversation instead of it just being like F this brand. It was just a larger conversation. So good on on V. But um, yeah, 
it's a it's interesting to see the way that it's kind of trickles through you know traditional media and social media and music and all this different stuff and mm-hmm. how it's evolving at different rates and at different ways I don't know I just feel like especially with influencer culture being such a huge thing now I think brands really got to check themselves and own this up is why to you, their actions this is why you have a diverse group of people working on your brand because uh-huh. someone will eventually say something and be like, this is a problem. This yeah. is not going to go well for you. When you don't have diverse groups of people working on your, your brand, your team, whatever it is, that's when problems happen. Well, so. that concludes today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We definitely unpacked a lot of things, but um, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at basically anxious pod. So you can see all of the lovely creators we mentioned, the brands and everything else. Um, but until next week, we will talk to you guys all then. Bye. Bye.